Good deal. Are you glad to be here this morning? Amen? Amen. All right. Three people. Great. It's going to be a good day today. All right. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to be there this morning and uh, we'll start out in chapter one. We're going to finish up in chapter two. Um, we've uh, been going on a journey uh, over the last several weeks and we've entitled this series First Things First. And so I always just like to take just a few minutes just to recap, to catch everybody up so that you can have an idea of why we're talking about what we're talking, right? We try to be intentional about where we're going, why we do what we do. And so as we talk about first things first, the very thing that we started off with, like is there's an understanding that you, we need to settle some priorities in our life. In other words, we need to put some first things first. We need to make sure that they are the priority of our life. And as a Christ follower, ultimately the priority of our life needs to be Jesus, right? He's first and foremost that he needs to be the priority of our life. Uh, he is worthy of that. He deserves that. And so we need to make sure that we put that big rock in first, right? In the container of life to make sure that it has its place because there's going to be a lot of other things that try to fill our life along the way. And it's important that we have that big boulder right there in the middle of everything that we're anchored, that we are secured. And from putting him first in our life, there's going to be some things that overflow our lives. There's going to be some things that kind of just take place in our life. They're going to be natural occurrences that transpire in your life. They're just going to naturally overflow from your heart, from your life, because God is the priority of your life. And last week we talked about giving, right? Giving is going to be something that naturally occurs. And there's a lot of ways that you can give. You can give of your time, you can give of your talents, you can give of your resources. But whenever we give, God wants us to do it in a cheerful manner, right? We talked about the importance of that, that we, want to, we don't do anything begrudgingly or in order to try to obtain something. Like we can't serve, we can't give of our time just to have God merit us favor. God already gives us favor. God already gives us grace. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. We don't do it to get something, but we do it because we want to honor him, because we want to glorify him, because we understand the heart of Christianity is giving, right? And so we talked about a lot of people may push back and say, well, love's the center of Christianity, but you can't extend love unless you give love. And so we've seen John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. What did that do? It, he gave his one and only son. So loving always, it produces giving, right? You have to give that. You have to extend that. And so we talked about how like there are moments and times in your life to where that you can give without loving. Like we've done things and we've given of our time, we've given of our resources, we've given of our abilities, and you can give that begrudgingly, right? Not something out of like obligation. You can give it out of obligation. Feel like you have to. Or like there's nothing better though, like when you understand the heart of giving, like you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Right? And so it's important that we really put that at the center of our lives and our hearts today. Well, today we're going to talk about gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Matter of fact, if you're watching online, you can type it in the chat this morning. Type in gratitude. Participate along with us today. And so we're going to talk about growing in our gratitude. And I, I'm going to hopefully just kind of paint a picture and, and to see how we can continue to do that because I believe it's one of the things that God desires for you and I. And I hope that you know that God desires for us to grow as believers, right? When we gave our life to Jesus, we became a babe in Christ, 
But God doesn't want us to stay there. God wants us to continue to grow up in our faith. And the way that we do that is that we continue to trust him day in and day out. We allow him to be God in our life. We allow him to be the Lord and we trust him and we follow him and we honor him with our lives. And as we do that, like we grow in our faith, we get to see God move. We get to see God work and we get to grow up in our faith. But we also need to grow up in our gratitude. And we're going to look at a couple of things, look at it maybe from a unique way this morning. Now, hopefully that it's helpful and hopefully that we can uh, glean something from it today and that it will encourage you and help you and strengthen you and challenge you today uh, as you continue to pursue Jesus. But I just want us to know that God doesn't want us just to stay babes in Christ. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. And this is part of that maturation process. And so I don't know about your house, but when I was growing up, I know Thanksgiving is approaching, right? Is everybody ready for Thanksgiving? By the way, we had a great time at our Thanksgiving meal last Wednesday night. We had such a great turnout and uh, we had some ham and we had some turkey and a whole bunch of other stuff. I sliced my thumb, slicing the ham. We didn't get any blood on it though. I just want to say, like I didn't tell everybody that. But anyway, it's all good. Had some bandages and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm not going to be doing that at my house uh, on Thursday. I'll let somebody else take that responsibility and carving and all that kind of stuff and everything. I don't need any more injuries. But anyway, we had a great time, great fellowship and And uh, I'm so excited, so grateful, so thankful to be a part of this church family and uh, just to get to hang out with people along the way. So I know that you are getting ready for that, right? You're getting ready, you're preparing for that. Some of you have been on the phone with family and friends and you've been getting together a menu, right? Does anybody do that? Anybody calls like, hey, you bring this, you bring that. And and it's like, well, so-and-so wants to bring deviled eggs. And then there's a whole conversation like, do they know how to do that? And it's like, you know, so-and-so, this other person, like, we know what we're getting right or like it could be like you know broccoli casserole whatever it's like I'm not sure if that's so there's a whole conversation and there's a whole lot of work behind the scenes that a lot of people don't even know takes place and transpires in order to make Thanksgiving happy and sometimes that can be a little bit hectic and sometimes that can be challenging and frustrating so my heart and my prayer is that you don't let don't sweat the small stuff don't let that stuff get in your way of of what God wants to do in your heart and your life Um, but I don't know how it was at your house but at my house When I was growing up at the gathering that I went to, the family gathering that I went to for Thanksgiving, there was two tables. There were two distinct tables. Now, does anybody want to take a guess at what these two tables were? What was the first one you think? The kiddie table, right? There's the kiddie table, right? And that's where all the kids are sitting on there. And there's nothing worse, by the way. Like sometimes like I had to sit at the kiddie table when I was in my teens, And that was just like brutal. Like, you know, I'm sitting there looking across at my cousin Dusty, who's got a green bean hanging out of his nose. And it's like, I shouldn't be here, right? You know, I'm grown. Like I I should, I should be somewhere else. I should at least have a seat on the couch, you know, if nothing else or a recliner or something along the lines. But there's the kiddie table. And then there is the adult table. And these two are very distinct. And I remember while I was sitting there on the kiddie table of thinking about like, man, this adult table looks so much nicer. I mean, look at these kids. They're having Thanksgiving, but man, they've got spaghetti on the plate and they don't even have turkey dressing. They don't even know what's up. And over here, it's just so much nicer. It's no, so much more sophisticated, you know, if you will. And I always looked at that as a kid thinking like, man, I can't wait to move up over to there. 
But there's some distinct things that I learned at these tables, and I think that it could be helpful for us today. And I want us to look at our walk with Jesus, and I want us to ask ourselves this question, like which table are we sitting at when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our walk in Jesus, when it comes to our gratitude? Because there's some different things about our gratitude at these two different tables. And when I was at this table right here, this little table, this kitty table, if you will, it was there to where that I learned about God's provision. I learned about God's provision. I learned about that God provides everything that we have. I prov- he, he, he gives us, He blesses us so much. I learned there to where that I could be thankful for the ham. I could be thankful for the shoes on my feet. I could be thankful for the clothes that I wear. I could be thankful about the house that I live in, the family that I had. And I could go on and on and on. And I could talk about God's provision. And it's important to remember God provides. It's important to remember that God is faithful in His provision. And that's a very important thing to learn. But God doesn't want us just to stay in a place to where that we view him as like a vending machine. To where that it's all about the stuff that we have and the stuff that he gives. And as long as he's giving and as long as we're having, then we will bless him. We will thank him. We will express our gratitude for him. If you're following me this morning, say I am. Sometimes in life we continue to sit right here and we're grateful and we're thankful because we can see the provision that God has given us. I can see I've got shoes. I can see that I'm wearing clothes. I can see that there's people around the table that we're in a structure and it's warm and I've got so much to be grateful for. I can see all those provided things that God has given me. But sometimes if I'm not careful, if I just continue to sit here and don't grow in my gratitude then I'll view Jesus as like a vending machine who just dispenses at my request. And as long as he's given and as long as he's providing, then I will thank him. I will praise him. I will express my gratitude. But I sat there at that table and I'm grateful that I got to sit at that table. I'm grateful for the things that I learned. But I often looked at this table over here thinking, man, I can't wait to sit over here. But little did I know the cost of sitting over here. Over here, I'm carefree. Over here, I'm not really worried. I, I'm just looking and noticing. I'm learning to bless God for the things that he's provided. But over here, when I come over here and I sit at this table, I sit here with my insecurities. I sit here with all my failures. I sit here knowing the things that I said and knowing the things that I did and and filled with regret, sometimes filled with shame and guilt and despair. Sometimes I sit at this table and I feel completely hopeless. Sometimes I sit here and I look around and there's empty chairs of, of people who used to sit there and I feel this emptiness inside. Sometimes I sat at this table and I had no idea that when I got right here that I would have questions and I would have concerns and I would have doubts. And I found out really quick that sitting at the adult table wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. That it's hard, that it's difficult. And it's very, very difficult if you're not careful, if you don't look around and you don't take time to notice, sometimes you can sit right here at this table and feel as if there's nothing to be grateful 
about because everything is chaotic. Everything is turned upside down. If you know what I'm talking about, say we do. Two tables. This table over here, I learned about God's provision. But when I think about this table over here, I think about a verse like David even shared in the 23rd Psalm. You guys know the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he goes on down in there and he says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? I will fear no evil. And why will he fear no evil? What does he say? For you are with me. One table is about provision. The other table, you can have gratitude because you understand presence. You, you're grateful for his presence, that he is with you right there in the middle of it. Some of you may have been, or you may be going through the fire right now, but I want you to know that he is ever present in your time of need, right? There are moments and times when you come sit at this table and nobody else may want to sit there with you. I want you to know that he is faithful. He is with you. He is for you every step of the way. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never gives up on you. He never turns his back on you. He is always willing to be present with you, no matter your circumstance, no matter your need. But staying here at this table You've got to persevere. Staying at this table, you've got to be rooted deep in Jesus because there are many circumstances and many challenges that will come your way that want to cause you to get up and say, you know what, forget it. I'll find some other table to sit at. So how do we continue to grow in our gratitude? It's easy when we can see it. It's easy when it's right there in front of us. And we say, God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. It gets difficult to express gratitude when there's nothing to be found or it seems like there's nothing to be found. When things are not going well, when things are not going right, when you don't feel like that you can go forward anymore. It's hard to be grateful. It's hard to express gratitude in that moment. But rest assured that God is present with you. And we have to learn to be grateful for his presence in the middle of difficulty. Now, here's what I want you to know. And this is where we're going in Colossians right here. OK, and we're going to look at these verses right here. And I want you to see the supremacy of Christ, because your view of Christ your view of Jesus will determine which table that you sit at. How you see Jesus, how you understand Jesus, how you acknowledge Jesus will determine what seat, you, what table you sit at. And so we're going to look and we're going to open up God's word today because Paul's writing to this church in Colossae and he's instructing them and he's going to share with them the importance of seeing Christ in the manner that he deserves and that he is worthy of. Because some people had come behind him after he went and preached and taught and instructed them in the faith. Some other people became behind him, some other teachers, and began to add things to Jesus. 
And they begin to say that Jesus, you know, he was a created being. And Jesus, uh, uh, you know, it's not only just him, but you need these other things. And so Paul's writing this to address and he's instructing them. He's like, I want you to be very clear. I want you to understand who Jesus is. And I want you to be secure. I want you to be firm because this has tremendous implications for your personal walk with Jesus. And not only for them, but it has it in our life today as well. It's important that you and I see Jesus in this manner. So listen to what he says. He's writing and instructing, and he's telling them that Christ is supreme. And so he goes to begin to describe Christ. He said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So in other words, like when Jesus made statements that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he was saying that he was God in the flesh. People ask all the time, what was God like? We can look and we can see Jesus' life. That was God in the flesh. He was the visible image of the invisible God. And then it says that he existed before anything. Some translations say that he was the firstborn. In other words, that doesn't mean that he was a created being. Jesus has existed. He always was. He always is. He always will be. We're going to see that here in just a few moments right here. But when it's referring that he was the firstborn of creation, it's like, you know, and when we read about in the Old Testament where the firstborn, it had rights, it had authority, and he had inheritance, right? It's talking about that all these things that were created were for him and by him, and he is worthy of that. So he's the firstborn of creation. He existed before anything was created. I want you to get that. When we talk about Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all together involved in creation, He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme. Everybody say supreme. He is supreme. That means he rules over all of creation. For through him, again, talking about Jesus, through him, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. I want you to see this, like everything that's done, every breath that is breathed, every life that is lived, right? Everyone owes allegiance to Jesus, to honor him, to glorify him, to see him as Lord, that he was God. Not just a man. He's not just a good luck charm. He's not somebody that we just call to and say, Lord, I need this, 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 and I need it by Tuesday. Right? God's faithful, and he may do that by Tuesday. He may do it in a year. He may do it in two years. It's always on his timing, on his table. But we need to see him as Lord to where that we get that even though if that doesn't pan out, I'm still going to praise you. Even though if that doesn't work out, I'm still going to honor you because you are God, you are Lord, you are over all, and you are worthy of my praise. He existed before anything else, verse 17, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. And I want you to see this, right? So when we talk about the church, the church is not a building. It's not a structure. It's not brick and mortar and all those different things. God doesn't live within these walls, right? The people, the body of Christ is the church and God dwells within our hearts. That's the gift that he's given us. He's given us his presence, that he's with us everywhere that we go. And we do everything that we do to honor him, to glorify him, to make Christ 
known. And Jesus is the head of this church. This church isn't my church. I may have been a part of helping plan it, but one day, guess what? I'm going to be dead and gone, and probably people aren't even going to remember who Robert Melton is. Robert Melton is not important. What is important is that Christ is known, that Christ is glorified. It does, I don't need a plaque on the wall. I don't need a picture anywhere, right? We just need to glorify and magnify Christ. He's the head of the church. It's his church. It's his people. I get to be a part of it just like you get to be a part of it. We're all working together in that. And this is what Paul is saying. Sometimes we get in the way of stuff. We get in our egos and we get in our own agendas. But we've got to be about Christ and making him known and making him famous. He's the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all. Are you getting the picture that he is Lord? He's over everything, every arena of your life. Over all who rise from the dead. And then he goes on to say this, and again, keeping first things first. So he is what? First in everything. He's first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So again, he made a way for us to be reconciled to a holy God, to be a part of the family of God through his death, burial, and resurrection, through the shedding of his blood on the cross. It paid the price for our sins. And then he goes on to say, this includes you, not only just the church there at Colossus, but again, we can make this application to us today. This includes you. We all need the grace of Jesus. We all need to be washed in the blood. We all need to be forgiven. We all need to be cleansed. We've all have fallen short of the glory of God. Here's why. This includes you, and he says this, who once were far away from God, you were his what? Enemies. Think about that. Our sin alienated us. Our sin separated us from God. God's a holy God. God's a perfect God. He had to deal with sin. That's why Jesus had God's wrath pour out on him so that he could bear our sin, our shame. That sin made us enemies of God. He had to do something with that. He had a price to pay for that. Jesus came, God gave him and he gave his life on the cross and he made a way through his death, burial and resurrection that even though that we've been sinners, God reconciled us and cleansed us and restored us and entered us into the family of God. He said, in spite, you were enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions against sin. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in the physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his what? Check this out right here. As a result of this, he's brought you into his what? His presence. His presence. Everybody say that with me presence. I want you to know, never be ungrateful for the daily presence of God. Every day, everywhere that you go, everything that you face, everything that you encounter, right? God has gifted us with his presence. And you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. But he goes on to say, you must continue to believe truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from this. There's going to be tragedies. There's going to be heartaches. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be times where that you may experience in your life where a spouse may come in and say, you know what? I don't want to be married with you to you anymore. I'm leaving. I'm out. See you later. And it crushes you. I want you to know, even in that, he's with you. 
And I've seen him in moments and times, you may be there right now, to where that he's reconciled. I've also seen people not make it. But whether they reconcile or they make it, one thing has always been true. God's provided and he's been faithful in those circumstances. And he's with them as they walk through those valleys. And he's with you. And this is what Paul's reminding the church, is don't drift away from the assurance that you receive. Like, you can trust Christ. You can lean on Christ. You can hold on to his truth. Keep serving him. Keep honoring him. Keep praising him. Keep sharing him. Keep expressing your gratitude to him. Don't leave this. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And Paul says, I have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Now, if you're still with me, go over here to chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, and we're going to finish up this thought again of we've seen who Christ is. Christ is God in the flesh, right? He is God. He is over all creation. He is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He's worthy of our praise. His presence is with us. That's what we learned in the first few verses that we read of chapter, or chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. But check this out as he goes on, as he's continuing. We're going to pick up here at verse 6. So how do we stay in this seat? How do we stay in this seat? And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue, here's that, to follow him. And then it says this, let your roots grow down what? Grow down deep. Let your roots grow deep and your lives be built on him. And here's the result of doing that. So how do we let our roots grow down deep? Well, we know that when we open up God's word and when we read God's word, God does a work in our heart and our life, right? We may not understand everything, but again, the Holy Spirit comes in and he's a comforter, he's a teacher, and he explains and he shows us and we can see how we're to continue to move in the direction that he's called us to move. And man, when we write those things down and we read those things, we grow in our faith, right? We're allowing God's word to saturate our heart in our mind. When we pray, we're saying, God, I need you. God, I trust you. God, I, 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 would you interact? Would you intervene? Lord, the only breath that I have is the breath that you give me. Lord, I want to honor you. Like when we intercede and when we interact with God, God does something within that. He grows us. He encourages us. He, he supports us. He helps us. He comforts us. And he hears us. Sometimes it's like through journaling and we write things down. When you come to church, like we can continue to allow our roots to grow down deep. When we get into groups and we study and we read God's word together and we pray together and we walk together and we encourage together, right? When we serve him, when we do these things, like we're putting our roots down deep into him. We're growing in our faith. We're exercising our faith and we're building our life on him. We do this not because we have to. We do this because we get to. Because we get to honor the God who gave everything for us. And here's the result. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And check this out right here. Here will be the natural overflow. And you will overflow with what? Thankfulness. You want to be grateful? You want to express gratitude? You root yourself in Jesus. You put your roots down deep into him. 
and you hold on to the faith. You hold on to the truth. Don't allow things to pull you away. It doesn't matter what philosophies are being shared. It doesn't matter what new ways of finding freedom are shared. The gospel is still the gospel. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. The gospel has not changed. His truth has not changed. It's not just for 2,000 years ago. It is applicable for today. And if you will grow deep in it, God will overflow your life with thankfulness because you can't help but see his hand. You can't help but experience his heart as you walk with him. So when you begin to grow deep, you can continue to sit at the table, the big table, the adult table of like where his provision isn't always visible, but his presence is always felt. And it's always needed in our hearts and in our life. And to know that you can endure because he endured and he made a way. And even though that you're walking through this valley, you don't have to fear any evil because, again, he is with you every step of the way. So the question is, is which table are you sitting at? Your view of Jesus will determine which table you sit at. I can't answer that for you. Only you and the Lord can look into your life and your heart today. But we need to grow in our gratitude. Because it can't be based, our faith can't be based as long as everything's going well. That's not practical and that's certainly not biblical. And if you walk according to that baseline, you'll drift. You'll fade away. But if you'll anchor down deep, and you'll hold on to God's truth and you'll believe what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says where give thanks in all circumstances and you understand this is the will of God that he's called you to in Christ Jesus. Right? You understand this and you understand there are only two ways to thank God. Did you know that? There's only two ways. Look at your neighbor and say two ways. I told you you weren't going to talk to your neighbor anymore but they need to be talked to. There's two ways to thank God. There's only two ways to do it. When you feel like it, and when you don't. Thank God in all circumstances. When you feel like it, when everything is making sense, give Him honor, give Him glory, when you give Him praise. When you don't feel like it, when everything, when it seems like all hell is breaking loose, and that God has abandoned you and God has forsaken you, you hold on to the truth that He is forever present with you. Nothing can lift you out of negative circumstances like gratitude. No matter what you're going through, it doesn't change God's worth and it doesn't change his faithfulness. We can stand secure in him. It doesn't matter if it's the death of a family member. It doesn't matter if it's a divorce. It doesn't matter if it's other relationship, sickness, financial, whatever it is, family conflict, disputes, right? No matter the circumstance, he is present with us. And we know the scripture because we've been in the scripture and we've been reading God's word. We've been digesting God's word and we are reminded of what Romans 8 28 says and that we know that God causes everything to work together for his good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them even though that I can't see it I don't have to see it because I know that he is present I know that he is good he's already been so faithful he already provided my shoes he already gave me my clothes he already has a house he's already provided all these things and I could go back 
back and I could reflect, but I've also experienced his presence when I was down, when I was hurting, when I was broken, when I didn't think I could go on anymore. God showed up and he encouraged me and he helped me in the middle of it. So I'm going to sit here at this table and it doesn't matter if anybody else sits here. I'm going to plant myself here because I want to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. So thank God in all circumstances. So how do we live this out? How do we do this? What are some practical ways? I'm going to give you three quick things real quick. You can write these down if you want to. Just some things that you can do. Number one, open your eyes to your blessings. Emerson said that if the stars only came out once a year, everybody would go outside and spend all night marveling. Think about that. But when you just kind of go through life and you just kind of take for granted, we miss so many moments, miss so many common everyday things that we just forget about. Open your eyes to your, your blessings. I think about the Israelites when they were out in the desert and God provided them manna every morning. They didn't do anything. They didn't earn anything. They didn't deserve anything, but God provided them manna. It's like the honey from the rock that we're, song that we're talking about this morning, singing about this morning. But God provided that. God gave them that. They just sat at the kitty table, though, because they began to say, like, we got manna again? At least in Egypt, we had different stuff to choose from. At least in Egypt, we weren't out here in the middle of that. They had forgotten all that God had done. Don't do that, right? Open your eyes to your blessings. Remember God is faithful. We have so much to be grateful. Remember this, great, gratitude is never silent. It's never silent. Luke 6, 45 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Here's what I know to be true. Whatever you feel inside will come out of your mouth. Can I get an amen? Now, don't look at your husband or your wife, right? We won't keep it. We won't keep a sweet spirit in here this morning, right? But whatever you feel, like eventually it's, it's going to come out. You can't contain it. Remember, gratitude is never silent. If you're grateful, then you will say it and you will show it. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9 says, But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. He says, I can't do it. Like, I've got to share about the goodness of God. I pray that gratitude, I pray that you grow in it so much that God burns it in your heart with such heat that you can't contain it. Because gratitude is also, here's the last thing, contagious. It's contagious. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, All this is for your benefit. Paul's talking to the church of Corinth. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people, and listen to what he says, because of this, right, what God is doing right here amongst people, amongst nations, he said, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Grateful people are contagious people. Be a person of gratitude. Grow in your gratitude. Don't just sit at the kitty table and make it all about what you have, but thank God for everything. Look hard to find it and express your appreciation and honor Him with your life. So here's my challenge to you this week. Maybe for, for some of you, right, you can think about this. Number one, 
Write down things that you're grateful and thankful for. Write down. Try to think of all the things that God has provided. Think about his presence. Think about those circumstances in your life. Take a time of reflection and journal those things. Help you remember that the God that you serve then is the God that you serve today, now, and that he is working for his good and for his glory. So write those things down. And here's the other thing. Find three people and share God's goodness with them. Share how you are grateful for what God's done. Now, don't be weird about it, okay? I don't want to see you out in the Walmart parking lot. It's like, hey, hey, number three, number three, come right here, right here. People are going to run to their car, okay? Don't do that. Don't be weird about it. But you're around people all the time. You work with people. You live with people. You see people at school. You see people at the ball fields or the basketball courts, gyms, or whatever that you do, okay? Dance recitals, things of that nature. Share. Don't contain your gratitude. Share it. Express it. Lift Jesus up. And remember that he said in John 12, 32, if I be lifted up, I will draw people unto me. You just brag on Jesus and let Jesus do what he does. It's not about how well you uh, um, eloquently say it. Just express it and trust the Holy Spirit to work in those moments. And God will do a great thing. And I just want you to think about for a moment, just imagine what we could do as a people. Imagine what we could do if everybody began to live this out. What would it look like in our families? What would it look like at our schools? What would it look like on our teams and things of that nature, uh, places that we go, the places that we reside? What could God do in those moments? Let's give God praise. Let's give God glory. Let's give God honor because Jesus is worthy. He is supreme in all things. View him as supreme, that he is Lord, that he is ruler over all of your life. And as you do that, it will help you stay at the place where his presence is ever with us. And that's a wonderful, wonderful gift that God's given. Let's pray this morning.